Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back for episode four of the podcast, Does the Bible Actually Say That? I'm your host, Josh Cuellar. I am next-gen pastor at First Baptist Church of Las Cruces and host of this podcast. I wanted to begin um, by talking about a, a news story I saw in the news, and it, it's very pertinent to what we're going to be talking about. Uh, maybe, maybe don't. So the headline is that in Illinois, the record was broken for a the attendance of a dog wedding. I'm having trouble even saying what this is because it's so uh, amazing. I'm just in awe. But there was a organization in Illinois that had 178 dogs present at this wedding ceremony. Not for people. The wedding ceremony was for dogs as well. 178 dogs in attendance to watch one dog ask another dog to be their lawfully wedded wife in dogdom and it was amazing this headline and there's a picture you can probably google it of this little puppy in a tuxedo looking very dapper and so that's a true headline that i saw that i thought was just ridiculous and the wedding i hear went really well uh they thought the bride was gonna run away for a while but actually she was just chasing her tail it was a lot and lot of work uh, and in the end of the wedding, everyone was pooped. Well, thanks and welcome to Does the Bible Actually Say That? Well, congratulations, you're still listening to this podcast despite those terrible jokes that I just made. Thank you. <laughs> we greatly appreciate it. So the whole point of this podcast is to dismiss and dispel some of the myths surrounding the scriptures, uh, the Christian scriptures, and what we call the Holy Bible. So I'm going to give you one real quick. That's that the chapter and verses were there from the beginning. What do I mean by the chapter and verses? The chapter and verses numbers are those big, bigger, and little numbers that we see as we read our English version of the Bible. Those chapter and verses were actually added much later after the writing of the text. And so the Old Testament verses were done by a man named Ben Asher and his family around 900 AD. And our modern verses for the New Testament were created by a man named Robert Stephanus. And he divided the Greek text into verses in the year 1551. In the grand scheme of things, that was not that long ago. So this is important to remember that when we're reading our Bibles, that these chapter and verses are not arbitrary, but they are not given to us by God. They are not in what we call inspired. And so this, they are just helpful tools to help us kind of navigate the scriptures. There's, you know, tons and tons of text to work through. And when you're studying it with other people, it's a lot easier just to reference, as I will in this podcast, the chapter and verse. So... That's a quick little... The more you know. All right, that's enough of that. Let's look at the phrase that we're going to be studying this week. And the phrase is, God won't give us more than we can handle. 
kind of tackle this phrase, I wanted to pick apart some of the words because our understanding of these words in particular will shape our understanding of the phrase as a whole. So those words are God, we, and handle. So the phrase as a whole, God won't give us more than we can handle. Our understanding of that phrase comes from our understanding of those three words. So the first word, God. Well, who is God? What is his character, his nature? All the rest of God's characteristics are defined and understood through his holiness. The idea of holiness is perfection, yes. It's this idea of being separate or transcendent. The idea is that he is different than us. He is separate and he is whole and he is holy. He is without sin in all he does. He always does what is right and he never does anything wrong. And that is different than you and I. So you and I sometimes do what is wrong and we fail to do what we know is right. And this is sin. This is what the Bible calls sin. And when sin comes, rather the temptation to sin and do wrong, um, we can understand that that never comes from God. And that's a good thing. So when it comes to the phrase, God will not give us more than we can handle, we can know for a fact that God won't give us any sin. He is perfect and he causes no imperfection. An example of this is in James chapter 1, verse 13, when James writes, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So temptation to sin does not come from God. Then where does temptation and sin and trials and difficulties in life, the aches and pains, the valleys, where do all those come from? Well, they come from one of three or some mixture of the three uh, options I'm going to talk about. So the first avenue for temptation to sin and just the trials, the difficulties, the suffering we experience from life comes from ourselves in the fact that we choose to sin. We choose to sin against God first, but we sin against others, and that causes pain and heartache and suffering in our lives. But another way pain and suffering and difficulties can come into our life is through others when we're sinned against. And we understand that this happens when you're just, you know, a friend is trying to drive home and they're hit by a drunk driver. That friend didn't make a sinful choice they were sinned against, but it has ramifications that affect them still. And that's a tragedy. And, it, and then it, their families and their friends experience suffering because of that. And then there's a third option that is just living in a fallen world. We experience the fallout of sin constantly. And these are things like disease, viruses, sickness, cancer. These are things like natural disasters that happen, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes that kill people and cause suffering. These are all symptoms of living in a sinful, fallen world that's just been wrecked. Romans talks about how even all of creation groans and longs for redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And so these are three avenues, but we also have to, we understand as um, Bible students and as Christians that there is also even an enemy Scriptures call him Satan, and he causes temptation as well. So these four ways really are avenues in which temptation comes. Important to note that none of those ways 
are caused by God. God doesn't tempt us, James says. He can't be tempted to sin, and he doesn't cause others to be tempted to sin either. But in his goodness, in his understanding that's much further and beyond our own, he sometimes, in his sovereignty, allows trials or temptation. You can think of Job in the Old Testament scriptures. But in his goodness and faithfulness and love for his people, he always, always provides a way out. And uh, Paul writes this much in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That word temptation could also be translated trial. So no trial or temptation has overtaken you that is not common to mankind, to humans. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So when we have faith in Jesus, when we've given our life to him, he sets us free from the punishment and slavery to sin. He gives us a way to endure temptation. He, in that sense, does not give us more than we can handle. But it's still important to look at those other words and define for us what we and what handle. So when we come to the we, who are the we we are talking about? I said we way too many times and it's lost all meaning. All right, who are the we we are talking about in this phrase? Because that matters greatly. If we means everyone, non-believers and believers alike, then that matters. If we means us humans in our own strength and ability and willpower, that matters because that's not necessarily true. We can't handle everything in our own strength and willpower because if it means we humans alone can handle everything, we're sunk. But if we means you with union and friendship to Jesus Christ and God the Father, and in the power and action of the Holy Spirit, then we're getting somewhere. Like God gives us grace, and this grace abounds greatly to face any of the trials, temptations, the sufferings with joy. And that's some radical thinking, but it's true. So in trials, the we in this phrase cannot mean just me and some other human. It has to be me with God through Jesus Christ in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And of course, that means others in community of believers, what we call the church. So last, we need to look at the word handle. What does it mean that God will not give us more than we can handle? Does handle mean that we'll go throughout life, all of life's circumstances, even suffering and trials and pain, unscathed, unbruised and unscarred? Well, no, it doesn't take long reading the Christian scriptures to understand that that's just not the case. Again, read Job. But if we're honest with ourselves, for a little bit, we understand that our American perception of what it means to flourish is more than often not just up and to the right. 
that to flourish and succeed, to come out on the other side having won in America means success and excess. But is this God's idea? I'd argue no. The God's idea of flourishment is union. It's friendship with him. It's his presence as we honor and glorify him. As you and I as believers grow to be more like Jesus, as we live out the way that he has showed us in the scriptures, as we simply put love God and love others while living on mission, that's what it means to flourish as a human. So this doesn't require us to be healthy, to be wealthy or popular. This just requires us to be holy. But if we mean handle to mean that we can win and succeed in the end because these situations, even in the worst trials, we can know two things. One, Jesus has made you his own. You are his bought with a price. And he is with you, Christian, now, even if you are experiencing the lows of life. He is with you in the highs as well. The second thing is that we can understand that these trials can and will be used for his glory. And the cool thing about that is that the glory of God, the honor of God, also includes our greatest good. To glorify God means to enjoy him. So we win in the end because we get God. So if this is the case, then yes, in Jesus we can handle anything with God and the understanding that the purpose and cause of trials is to glorify God and bring about our good, our holiness. This is no more true than on the cross. The crucifixion looked really, really bad for those on Friday night and Saturday. But Sunday came, Jesus got up. And so that's our greatest hope, is that Jesus gets up. And because of that, that Jesus rose from the dead, God will not give us any trial or temptation that we can handle with the help of him in his grace and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you so much for listening. I know this week's version was a little bit longer. Hope that was okay. Hope it was helpful for you. Again, my hope and prayer in all of this is that as we understand God's word better, that we would know God, but know him not just like we know facts about our favorite movie or director, but that we would know God like we know a friend. And so that's my prayer. So join us next week as we look at the phrase, when God closes a door, he opens a window. We'll see you then.